2 Corinthians chapter 1, we'll be reading through verse 11. If you need a Bible, please feel free to use a pew Bible in front of you. You can find today's scripture reading on page 1,145. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, reading through verse 11, follow along as I read. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy our brother, to the church of God that is at Corinth, with all the saints who are in the whole of Achaia. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you you will also share in our comfort. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril. He will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer, so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. Father, we humbly come this morning, Lord. Father, we thank you, we praise you. Lord, that you were in control of last year. Father, nothing has changed today, that you were in control of this year. Open our hearts, be with Brother Chris as he brings your word. Use him in a powerful way. May we focus solely on your words, on your glory, on your kingdom this morning. In your name I pray, amen. Amen. Thank you, Dane. And we're uh, blessed to have your parents and niece with us. We're glad they're here and hope you are having a good time as a family. Well, as Dane said, yeah, I mean, this is like, I feel like this is New Year Sunday, okay? So I'm here today, and I've got bad news, and I've got good news, okay? So let's start with the bad news. And the bad news is this. Life is hard, and sometimes it's real hard. How many of you think life is hard, right? Okay, turn to your neighbor and just ask him, has life been hard? Has life been hard? Yes. Yes, I think we can all agree that life's been hard these last few years. Uh, Now, and let's admit, it's easier than some parts of the world. Because we pray for our missionaries on a regular basis, we know that it is easier than many parts of the world. But I don't live in other parts of the world. I live in this world, and it has been hard. 2020 was hard. 2021 was not much better. And now we just don't know what 2022 holds for us, do we? It seems that hardship and heartache are becoming the new normal. 
and the bad news just seems to be getting worse. This year may very well be more of the same. Life was hard, life is hard, life will be hard. So what should you do knowing that life is hard? What should you do when you don't know what to do? What do you do when you don't know for sure what God is doing? And maybe you're not even sure He knows what He is doing. Well, here's the good news this morning. God always has a purpose for our suffering. God always has a purpose for our suffering. Your hardship, your heartache is never purposeless and it's never pointless. But we must learn the lessons He's trying to teach us. The Bible has answers to these hard questions of why does God allow our lives to be hard, even when we are His children and we are believers in Him. But God's answers won't always be the ones we want to hear. God's answers are rarely easy. And God's answers are never the answers you will find in the world. You will only find them in the Word of God, and the good news is they will be God-glorifying, Christ-centered, and Spirit-empowered because they are based on the rock-solid truth of His Word, which is inspired and inerrant. It does not err. One of the places to find answers to this question, what do we do when life is hard, is the passage that Dane read with us and we saw, 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 11. And in these nine verses, God gives us his perspective on our heartaches and our hardships. And his perspective will help all of us this morning. And that is good news. And so after a brief greeting in verses 1 and 2, look there in your Bibles, after a brief greeting to his readers, Paul, along with Timothy, wishes grace and peace to the believers in Corinth. We need grace and peace in the coming year. He wishes them grace and peace, but then he immediately begins to talk about the comfort that he had received during the many hardships he had endured as an apostle of Jesus Christ. And so verses 3 through 11 set the stage for the whole book by plainly saying that no matter what Paul had went through and would yet go through, it would be worth it. But we must let God teach us in our school of suffering. So what is the God of all comfort? want you and I to learn in the school of suffering. I believe verses 3 through 11 give us seven lessons to learn in our suffering. Seven lessons that will comfort you in your suffering and will equip you to comfort others in their suffering. So listen for yourself and listen for others. And you will find there is purpose in your hardship and you will be able to help others find their purpose in their suffering as well. So let's look at the first lesson. It's the most important one, so we're going to spend some time here, and it's this. Let God comfort you in your suffering. What are we to learn in hardship? Let 
God comfort you in your suffering. Look at verses 3 and 4 in your Bibles. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Now, in these two verses, and in this first lesson, we see three reasons why we should let God comfort us in our heartache, and it's this. He is the Father of mercies. Number one, He's the Father of mercies. Mercies there is plural, because we need more than one mercy. We need many mercies. And in some of your Bibles, it's translated compassion. But mercies is plural because it refers to the many big and small acts of kindness that God shows to us as undeserving sinners in the midst of our suffering. He shows us kindness in hard times. Mercies are the many ways God shows us what that the many ways God shows us that he loves us even in hard times. In Romans 12:1, Paul refers to the mercies of God as all that he has done for us as undeserving sinners in the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything that he did to save us sanctify us, and one day glorify us. In other words, Jesus is God's mercies in the flesh. But the mercies of God can also refer to those little acts of kindness God shows to us in the midst of our suffering. Have you ever been there and received these? What am I talking about? It may be a specific song that comes on the radio at just the right time. It may be a text from someone that comes out of nowhere, but it hits you right when you need it. It may be a word of kindness from someone that you didn't expect or written in a note. People still sometimes write notes, right? Or it could be God's Spirit encouraging your heart or a verse of Scripture that meets you at your point of pain. It might even be seeing a rainbow in the sky or the beauty of a butterfly that floats across your way. These are all various ways that God comforts us in hard times. And if you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. Where you are hanging by a thread and you're not sure what to do, you're not sure anyone cares, and you don't know God cares, and then these little acts of kindness, and you cling to them because they are mercies from the Father. And that's what I want you to see. He's the Father of mercies. He bursts them. He gives them life. That's no small thing. He gives them life and He grants them to us as a gracious, loving Father in our time of need. This idea of the Father of mercies means He's the source of the many mercies you need in your difficulties. This is God's heart towards you. He is merciful and compassionate and has the heart of a Father towards you in your weakness and your suffering. I hope you picked up the free book, Gentle and Lowly, that we gave out, and I hope you're reading it, because this whole book is about how He is the Father 
of mercies. In other words, in your suffering, resist the temptation to stiff-arm God. We all have a tendency to isolate, to withdraw. At that moment when we should be most with the people of God, we tend to isolate from the people of God. And when we do that, we're stiff-arming the Father of mercies. We're separating ourselves from the source of the mercies we need. So draw close to Him, and He will draw close to you with the mercies you need and the mercies that only He can provide. But there's a second reason to let Him comfort you, and it's this. He is the God of all comfort. He is the God of all comfort. This speaks to His sovereignty over our hardships. Comfort refers to the encouragement, refers to encouragement in the New Testament. It pictures coming alongside of someone to lift a heavy weight that is too heavy for them to carry. So uh, last week, uh, Pastor Bruce came in my office and said, Chris, I need you to help me carry the ladder so we can take down the wreath and put up the... Why? Because the ladder's too heavy for one person. And so I came alongside and we lifted that weight up and then I let him climb up there and, and take care of business. It is interesting because he and I have been doing this for a couple decades. And uh, as he gets older, he, he says it gets scarier up there. And I said, I believe you. That's why I'm down here. But, uh, you know, I get it. The God of mercy. So here's the idea that comfort is the, the idea of he, God being the God of all comfort. He comes alongside of us in our suffering when the burden is too heavy for us to bear and He lifts it up and helps us carry it. That's why Jesus called the Holy Spirit another comforter. Because like Jesus Himself, the indwelling Holy Spirit in the believer comes alongside of us to help us and encourage us when life is hard. And it just keeps getting better, folks, because God is the God of all comfort. All comfort. What's the idea? Not just some comfort, but He has all the comfort you will ever need. Our God is sovereign over all the comfort and all the uh, encouragement we will ever need in our hard times. Listen, what greater reason? What greater reason? Do you need to let God comfort you in your present suffering? But too often, listen, too often we expect from others what only God can provide us in ourselves. Too often we go to others. And don't misunderstand me. Don't misunderstand me. We are to comfort and encourage one another. This will be the next lesson that we will see. But listen, we are foolish, though, to think that any person, any drug, any relationship, any addiction, any sexual pleasure, any religious ritual will give us the comfort that only comes from the God of all comfort. Can I get an amen? Only God is sovereign over all our comfort. He's the comfort king. See, you thought that was about a mattress. It's about the majesty of God in your suffering. He's the comfort king, the king of encouragement. And we should never expect anyone or anything to give the kind of comfort that only he can give. 
God will use people. God will use counselors. God will use medicine to bring us comfort. But He alone is the God of all comfort. And then that brings us to the third reason why we should let God comfort us, and it's this. He is able to comfort us in all our troubles. Not some, but all our troubles. Look at verse 4 again in your Bibles. Who comforts us in all our affliction. That means that when I'm sick, he's there by my bedside. That means when I have more month than money, he's there with me in my need. That means when I am hated and despised, he stands by my side. That means when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he will take me by the hand and lead me through it. Only God has all comfort for all troubles. That's huge. That is huge because we have a huge God. No one else can say that. No one. No one is like our God who is the God of all comfort in all our troubles. So listen, don't expect others to do for you in your suffering what only God can do. And as a comforter, don't expect to do for others in their suffering what only God can do for them. If we could get these two principles straight, we would receive so much more comfort. So much more comfort. Only the God of all comfort has the skill to comfort all people in all their suffering. And why is that? Why is that? Because He became one of us. Because He became a human and lived from birth to death and suffered more than any human being in history or eternity, whether male or female. So He can comfort any of us, any of us, in anything, because He's been there, He's done that, and He overcame it. Now listen, don't stiff-arm God in your hard times. Don't isolate from this God, this Father of mercies, this God of all comfort that can comfort you in all your hardships. But once we learn that first lesson, then we can learn the second lesson, and it's this. God wants to teach us in our suffering to look forward to comforting others. Now that's a hard one. Notice what it says in verse 4. Why does God comfort us in all our suffering? Uh, All the English translations have a so that. So that. So that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction. God comforts us so that we can comfort others. It's hard. Listen, it is hard. I, 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 I suffer just like anybody else. Pastors are not exempt. It is hard to get our eyes off ourselves in our suffering. Nevertheless, this is the lesson God wants us to learn. Get your eyes off of self and on to others who you can comfort to. Now, it may not be immediate. You may be like, look, I am just barely making it today. But realize that he intends for you to comfort others. Do you see the progression in these verses in your, in your Bible? The God of all comfort comforts us in 
all our uh, uh, hardships so that we can comfort others who are in any or all hardships. So it's comprehensive. It covers it all. The point is this. One of God's purposes for your suffering right now that you're facing or you will yet face in this year is for you to be a channel of His comfort to others. So let me give you three reminders about comforting others. And here's the first reminder. You can't pass on what you haven't received. You can't pass on to others what you haven't received from God. You know, you must first allow God to comfort you in your suffering before you can pass that comfort on to others. It's like you'd it, 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 you're, you're comforting enables you to say to other sufferers, I have found God to be my Father of mercies, and He can be your Father of mercies too. And here's the second reminder. You don't have to go through the same suffering to comfort others. You don't have to go through the same... I told you at the head of this message, God's wisdom on this is the opposite of the world. The world says, you can't comfort me because you haven't been what I've been through. And you're right, I haven't, but I know the one who has. So you don't have to go through the same suffering. You don't have to go through the exact same things in the exact same way to comfort others in their hardship. What is essential to comforting others is not the same circumstances, but the same source of comfort. Are you with me? Now, when you can have a shared suffering, yes, that brings all sorts of benefits. I get that. Wisdom, insights. But the the thing is, none of us have experienced everything. And if you limit that, you won't comfort the people that God wants you to comfort. Several years ago, I prayed with a man, let's call him Joe, who had just found out two days earlier his wife was a serial adulterer on the Ashley Madison website with dozens of men. Found it out two days earlier. Came to a men's group, prayer group that I was a part of. 38 years ago, she had committed adultery. They had divorced, but they were reconciled and remarried. Then he discovers that she had 38 men on her Ashley Madison site and had hooked up with at least six of them. To say the least, he was broken, he was devastated. So the group of men and I uh, prayed over this man who had just found out this news two days earlier. And my heart just went out to this man and his wife. And so I prayed. And no sooner was I done that Joe says to me, he looks up and he says, you prayed like you have gone through what I have gone through. Now let me be clear, I had not just gone through that. I had not gone through what he was going through, and by God's grace, I hope I never do. But I had allowed the God of all comfort to comfort me in recent deep valleys that it was going on at that time. And I and when I prayed, I wanted that same God that was comforting me to comfort him. Now I wish I, I could say I always pray that way, like that for others, and I can't. I can't say that because I don't. But this time, by God's grace, 
and with the comfort that only comes from the God of all comfort, I was enabled to comfort someone in something I have never experienced and hope I never do. Listen, folks, our afflictions soften our hearts so that when we have received the comfort of God, it's easier for us to pass it along to others. Oh, how we need this in the church of Jesus Christ. Amen. It is so easy to be callous. It's so easy and so convenient to be unkind. It is so effortless to look down at our no, down our noses at weaker brothers and sisters who go through hard times. Now, come on. We all do it. We say so carelessly, carelessly, why don't they just get tough? Why don't they show some backbone? Why don't they quit complaining and get on with life? Why can't they be strong like the rest of us, like me? Well, God lets us go through hard times to break us of that attitude, to soften us so that we can minister in the name of Jesus Christ to other hurting people. So the first reminder, you can't pass on what you haven't received. Second reminder, you don't have to go through the same suffering. Third reminder is this, you comfort others in similar, not identical ways. Because sometimes the worst thing can happen is when someone has the same disease you had, has the same diagnosis that you've got, have the same suffering that you've got, and we blow in there having come through our suffering, and we one-up them. Here's the idea. Listen, we are called to share with those who are hurting, not our experiences per se, but the God of all comfort. When you are comforting someone, don't one-up them with your own story of suffering and don't think they have to be comforted in exactly the same way that you were. And when you are the hurting person, When you're the hurting one, don't necessarily look for someone who is going through the exact same thing you are. It's okay if that is available, but that's not the determining factor. You look for someone who has allowed God to comfort them in their suffering so that they can comfort you with God's comfort, not their own. And they can show you how to go to Him for the comfort in any hardship. Listen, uh, just because someone shared the same suffering doesn't mean they know God, first of all. And it doesn't mean that they were comforted by God in their suffering. Paul looked at his sufferings, the hardship, the imprisonment, the unrelenting opposition he faced, and here's what he concluded. This isn't just about me. God is doing something in me for the benefit of others. How many of you know Joni Erickson Erickson Tata? Right? Yeah. She was paralyzed during a diving accident as a teenager, was bitter about it until the God of all comfort comforted her. And out of her suffering, came a worldwide ministry for the hurting and the disabled called Joni and Friends. Have you been comforted by this woman? Many of you have. Are you disabled? 
Are you a paraplegic? No, you don't have to experience the same thing. The reason she has a global ministry, and you don't have to have a global ministry, it begins right here between the pews, okay, is because she allowed God to comfort her so that she could comfort others with the comfort that had come from God. Many of us have hard places in our hearts this morning that will not become tender until we go through the fires of affliction. God lets this happen so that we might reach out to others and comfort them. But to live out lessons one and two, you need to learn the third lesson that God wants to teach you in the school of our suffering, and it's this. Learn how to persevere. Learn how to persevere like Christ in both suffering and comforting. Learn how to persevere like Christ. Look at verses 5 through 7. Look at verses 5 through 7. For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so also the comfort is abundant through Christ. Christ is the one we look to. But if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and notice and salvation. Or if we are comforted, it is for your comfort which is effective, notice, effective in the patient enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. And our hope for you is firmly grounded, knowing that as you are sharers of our suffering, so also you are sharers of our comfort. Now, there's a lot in there to unpack that I don't have time for and I won't do. But I do want you to see three realities out of those verses. And here's the first one. Persevere in your own suffering like Christ did for you. Persevere in your own suffering like Christ did for us. Philippians 2, beautiful passage, tells us that Jesus endured that ultimate suffering of the cross for the joy that was set before him. And you know what a large measure of that joy was? Was to see many sons and daughters come to Christ as a result of his sacrifice and substitution for our sins. If Christ had not persevered through his suffering, he would not be able to save us, much less comfort us in our suffering. And listen, the same is true of you and me. If you quit on God in your suffering, or if you isolate yourself from God's people in hard times, and we are all tempted to do it. I'm a pastor, and I'm tempted to do it, okay? I just don't have the option of not coming when I feel like it, okay? But we all feel it. And when we're tempted to do that, when we're hurting, guess what? If you do quit on God, if you quit in your suffering, you're not going to be able to comfort others in their suffering. Quitters cannot help others to persevere. It's like saying, here, let me comfort you. I didn't persevere through my suffering, but I'm sure you can. Instead, when we're tempted to give up in our hard times, look to Jesus in the garden. Look to Jesus on the cross. Jesus persevered in his suffering, and because he did, we too 
can be comforted and persevere through our suffering. Listen, quinters can't help others to persevere, but plotters can. And when you're hurting and you're every morning, it's just a, it's a burden to get out of bed and you're not ready to face a day, you plod. And then the next day, you plod. You say, I can't even make it a day. I get it. The next minute, you plod. And then another minute. And then another. Here's the second reality. Persevere in comforting others like Christ does. Have you ever thought about that? You know what's, what is equally hard to do? Not only to persevere through your suffering but persevere in comforting others in their suffering. How many of you have ever been a caregiver here this morning? Yeah, some of you know. Some of you know. This is something we sometimes overlook or forget about. Comforting others can be hard work that requires as much perseverance as suffering does. How many of you, when you have watched that, you think, oh, I don't know if I can make another day of this. You not only are persevering and caring, but you're carrying the burden of their suffering as well. I watched my dad go to the hospital every day for 10 months, every day, except for one snow time to see my mom until she died. I saw my mother-in-law care for Gwen's dad through the long goodbye of Parkinson's. I was a caregiver for Gwen for a short time, And it was long enough to realize this is hard. This is hard. I've watched many of you care for loved ones. And it is hard. Listen, if you're a caregiver this morning, take comfort in this. Persevere in comforting others. Just like Christ perseveres in always being there for you. And I realize we have to take gaps and, you know, you got to get help. You can't do this solo. But the idea is the God of all comfort is able to comfort both the sufferer and the caregiver with the same comfort when life is hard. Here's the third reality. Persevering bears the fruit of assurance of truly being saved. Persevering bears the fruit of of assurance. Look at verse 7. He ties suffering, perseverance, and our salvation all together. If you are persevering in the suffering of Christ, then you can count on being comforted by Christ. When you persevere in your suffering like Christ did, you persevere in comforting others like Christ does, then others can be confident that you are truly saved and the Spirit is dwelling in you. Suffering, listen to me, suffering is God's means of leading others to salvation. And persevering in our own suffering provides assurance of our salvation to others. But where does that power to persevere come from? Well, it comes from the God of all comfort. Let's look at the lesson uh, lesson four. Lean on God's power and not your own. Lean on God's power and not your own. He, he Look at verse 8 in your Bibles there. He moves on. For we do not want you to be unaware, brethren, of our affliction which came to us in Asia. I want you to know I'm suffering. 
And we were burdened excessively beyond our strength, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, we had the sentence of death within ourselves, so that we would not trust in ourselves, but in the God who raises the dead. Lean on the resurrection power of God. Here are three realizations I want you to think through. First of all, God allows us to experience suffering that is beyond our ability to endure. You say, I don't think I can endure this. Sometimes that's exactly where God wants you. He allows us to experience suffering that is beyond our ability. Listen to what Paul says. Paul wants the Corinthians to realize that God is sovereign over his suffering. Here's what he says. God will allow us to encounter suffering that's beyond our ability. Notice, we were burdened excessively beyond our strength. And then he goes on and he says, God will allow us to suffer even to the point of despairing of any escape. Look at verse 8. So that we despaired even of life. There's no way out. God will allow us to have such a deep experience of suffering that we are certain we're going to die or, like Job, we wish we were dead. Look at verse 9. Indeed, we had the sentence of death within ourselves. One thing you can say for sure, Paul was not a prosperity preacher. This isn't a health and wealth gospel, is it? that promises every believer with enough faith to name it and claim it, and you get it. He wasn't promising that they could have their best life now. No, 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 no. None of that is here. Paul says life is hard, real hard, and sometimes to the point where there is no hope of life and nothing but the certainty of death which then begs the question, why would God allow this? And that's the second realization. God is deepening the hope of his resurrection power. God is deepening yours and my hope in his resurrection power. Some of us in this room have had the sentence or let me, how great is this resurrection hope? I want, I want to just take, this is in your notes. just want to take you through. How great is our resurrection hope? Well, it's great enough that resurrection power can prevent death, okay? And some of us in this room have had that sentence of death on our lives due to cancer or some other life-threatening disease, and yet here you are today, alive among us, Right? Nudge your neighbor and make sure they're alive, would you? I, I, Dan Allen is here, and I asked permission for this. He was intubated during COVID and uh, damaged lungs, pneumonia as a child. I was sure. I was sure he wasn't going to make it. Hey, Dan. How you doing? I always, I, I always say, Dan, you're a walking miracle. Every Sunday I see him. Dan? You're just a walking miracle because God has resurrection power to prevent death. But guess what? God has resurrection power to reverse death. Amen? Randy Wainer can tell you something about this kind of power. Randy was dead with a heart attack 
face down at his work in the hallway of his work, having gone to deliver barbecue to his co-workers. He's dead, and somehow he kept the barbecue. Randy, you're a man of right priorities, okay? And thankfully, you have merciful co-workers. Instead of just taking the barbecue and leaving Randy dead, God reversed and gave him life. We can laugh now about this because of God's resurrection power that can resuscitate life. And I always call Randy, and you're Lazarus Jr. You are Lazarus Jr. because of God's resurrection and power. But you know what, Randy? I hate to break it to you. One day, you're going to die, just like everybody else here. Resurrection power not only prevents death, not only reverses death, it overcomes death. Amen? Sometimes God does not give us the miracle of preventing death like Dan or reversing death like Randy. Sometimes he chooses to make us wait for the greater miracle, the miracle of overcoming death at the resurrection of the dead in Christ. Oh, why does God do this? Well, that's the third realization, and it's this. God wants us to learn to always lean on him. God wants us to learn to always lean on Him, not just in our suffering, but all the time. All the time. Look at verse 9. Indeed, we had the sentence of death within ourselves so that we would not trust in ourselves, but in the God who raises the dead. Yours and mine suffering, the death of loved ones, the suffering of others is meant to remind us not to trust in this world, not to trust in ourselves, not to trust in the world's wisdom or the world's power, possessions and pleasures, but to trust in the one who can raise the dead. He has never let you down in the past, Paul says in verse 10. He is not letting us down in the present in verse 10, and he will deliver us in the future. The God of all comfort has three more lessons, and we're going to hit them fast. Here's number five. Leverage the prayers of God's people. Leverage the prayers of God's people. Look at verse 11. He says, how did God deliver me? How is God going to deliver me? You also joining in helping us through your prayers. Helping us through your prayers. Many times we view prayer as a last resort when it ought to be our first resort. Amen? Knowing that others are praying for us gives us strength to keep going. You know, and sometimes prayer seems futile, doesn't it? Sometimes we just go, I want to do something. Prayer is doing something. Prayer is doing the greater thing. It's working together with God to do what only God can do through prayer. God has ordained that prayer matters. I don't understand it. I don't have to understand it. I'm told to do it, and I know it works. And so do you. It matters whether we pray or not. Paul's saying, look, when we thought we were going to die, you prayed, and God deliver us, and he will continue to deliver us as long as you continue to help us through your prayers. Pastor Ray Pritchard 
Pritchard put it this way. Listen, we will never know until we get to heaven how many times the prayers of others rescued us. But I believe in that great day when all the secrets are revealed, we will discover that we would have fallen, but someone prayed for us. We would have given up, but someone prayed for us. We would have made that stupid decision, but someone prayed for us. We would have given in to temptation, but someone prayed for us. We would have retaliated, but someone prayed for us. We would have crumbled under pressure, but someone prayed for us. When all is said and done, we'll learn that God used the prayers of others to give us the grace to make the journey from earth to heaven, and we'll discover that without those God-inspired prayers, we never would have made it. Amen? We never would have made it. So one of the lessons, and it's an important one, is leverage the prayers of God's people. Sixth lesson is this. Lift up God's glory from beginning to end. Lift up God's glory from beginning to end. Look at verse 11. This is cool. Here's the last verse. So you know I can't go any farther. Here you go. Verse 11. You are also joining and helping us through your prayers so that thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf. Do you see how this passage begins and ends? It begins in blessing the God of all mercies and it ends with giving thanks to Him. Why? Because that's what we should be doing in our suffering. Listen, give God the glory before you're delivered. Give God the glory while you are being delivered and give God the glory after you are delivered. You say, I can't see any way out. Give him the glory because he can see it clearly. And he will not leave you nor forsake you. He is the God of all comfort who can comfort you in all your afflictions. And that brings us to the last lesson, and it's this. Live for Christ in the crucible of your suffering. Live for Christ. If I had say this one whole message and I saved it for the end, here's one sentence. Live for Christ in the crucible of your, of your suffering. Then you will be able to say, truly Christ has saved me, he has comforted me, he has enabled me to persevere, and I give him all the glory as I seek to comfort you in your suffering. Now I freely admit, and you know this is true, these things are easy to say but hard to live, Right? And life is hard, and it's only getting harder. So how do we learn these lessons? Well, I end with this. Two-fold reminder. First of all, it is a practical process you learn by experience. You can't read a book about it. One message like this isn't going to take care of it. Just hearing these principles is not going to do it. Learning these lessons is a practical process that only comes through the school of hard knocks but are you learning from God in your school of suffering? And let me just say this. Just because you're suffering does not mean you are learning these lessons. Suffering can be wasted if you don't let God comfort you. And that's where this passage and this message comes in. Here's seven lessons right from God that he wants you to learn. But don't miss, secondly, 
It's a supernatural process. Taught by God, the God of all comfort, through the person of His Son, the power of His Spirit, and the presence of His people around you. So let me encourage you. Let me end today with this. Be teachable. Be teachable in your suffering. Don't stiff-arm God. Be trusting. And I just ask you, do you know Christ in a personal way? Do you know Him in a relational way that gives you a sense of assurance that you know that if you were to die this morning, that you would enter God's presence, not because of anything you've done or your parents did or how good you were, but because of all because of what Christ has done. The Father of, of compassion is ready to welcome you. And He welcomes you not through who you are and what you've done, but through His Son and what He has done. He's ready to grant you a boatload of eternal mercies, but you got to receive Him. you got to receive Him. And listen, if you're teachable and you know Him and you learn from Him, then you'll come on the other side of your suffering and you will give thanks to the God of all comfort. Let's pray. Father God, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort, I ask that you will seal these lessons in our hearts this morning. I especially pray for those with heavy burdens, you know, they know, that are presently suffering hardship, and heartache. Oh God, comfort them by your Son. Comfort them in your Son. And if they're unsure of their salvation this morning, save them by your Son. Lead them to lay their sins, their suffering at your feet, and receive forgiveness and a new heart that is yielded to you. Salvation is a free gift, Lord, only you can give. May they receive that gift this morning for Jesus' sake. Amen.